Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell. And I'm Samia Salami. This week, we are excited to welcome our next co-host, filmmaker Samia Salami. Is that that right? That's how you say it? Coats. It is Samia Salami. And I, but I don't pronounce the T, right? Or I do? Oh, that's a back and forth thing. My parents... Oh, really? Yeah, it's like yes and no. But I prefer Samia. Samia's good. Samia Salami. Samia Salami. Perfect. Yeah. When when I was first introduced to you by my friend Jason, he he was calling you Samia. And then I only had that question when I saw that your name was spelt with a T. So anyways, good. Got your name right. Um, cool. So for people who don't know, Samia just wrote, directed, produced, and starred in her first ever web series called Uneasy, set and shot entirely in Oakland. Is that correct? Is that accurate? 100% with a few shots in Berkeley. Oh, okay. Well, Berkeley, that's okay. You can get away with Berkeley. So close. <laughs> yeah, you know. close. Um, well, here, so this episode i really want people to kind of get to know who you are and your background and everything um and we can take you know a good amount of time talking about that so before we get into uh uneasy and making that show just give everyone a, a background on who you are what you do and all that stuff wow um my, I'm tempted to go back to the beginning. Where go back as far as you want. <laughs> go back to like where you grew up and you know all that stuff. Yeah. I was an embryo inside of my mother. No, well, okay, okay, um, okay. okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I grew up in Nigeria in Lagos, um, and I lived there until I was 13. It was super fun times, um, as fun as a military, the end of a military regime can be. Oh, wow. So uh, not fun? Well, you know, that's the thing, though. It's like a really confusing situation. So it was like, on one hand, you're tear gas, there's tear gas on your street. On the other hand, you have like 13 cousins at your house, and it's a really fun summer. Wow. It was a mixed bag. Holy moly. I can't even imagine what, that, what it must have been like. It was, you know... I think I have very fond memories of it. I think, you know, even amongst, like, utter and complete chaos, there could be a lot of love and a lot of joy. Um, so was the military regime thing the reason why you moved to America? Yes, sort of. Um, so Nigeria was under a military regime um, of, for, like, 30 years. And I think, don't quote me, it ended, like, in the early 2000s. Um, and by that point, my parents left in the late 90s to go off to America because the economic situation there had gotten terrible. And I ended up living with my grandmother for about five years the entire time they were gone. Yeah. And so um, in 2005, I left. Wow. So wait, back up. So your parents left before you did? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So and how old were you when your parents left? Eight. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so then you left like five years later, roughly? Yeah, I was 13. Wow, wow. Crazy. Wow, that must have been something else uh, to be estranged from, estranged from your parents for five years, you know? Yeah. Um, they were both like, okay, child, we've birthed you, so peace out and we're going to America. Wow. Um, 
And then when you <laughs> moved here, you got reunited with them and you lived with them when you when you moved here? Yeah, but it was a very, I mean, I kid, but it was very difficult all around. My mom was very... <laughs> well, yeah, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How could it not be difficult, right? <laughs> yeah, no problem. Just gonna, no, you know... was like perfectly cold, cold-heartedly just gonna leave her children. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> no, she was very sad. She still finds it very difficult to talk about it. Um, it was really challenging for her. Um, my parents came here on the visa lottery, like a oh. lot of people, actually. Um, and they had limited visas for the family. So she and my dad ended up immigrating. And so I lived at my grandmother. Okay. And so um, and I, do you have a bunch of brothers and sisters, too? Or is it just you? Or... I have two brothers, but one was born here and the other one was born in Nigeria. So it was just the two of us. Oh, okay. My left. He's younger. Okay. Well, at least you had, you know, somebody to, to hang out with and share the experience with. Like you weren't completely alone through the whole thing. That's nice. Yeah. I think now as adults, we're really close and we bond so much about that experience. But at the time I thought he was a little shit. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. So you get here when you're 13. What what part of America do you do you, you come to when you first get here? Um, Florida. Oh wow! And so, how long were you in Florida for? I spent four years of high school in Florida and four years of undergrad, so in total about eight years. And when you went to college, what did you go to college for? What was your study? Your focus? Um, uh, I went to college to study. Um, journalism but soon changed that to just writing okay so uh, what kind of writing like creative writing or english Mm -hmm. writing or okay yeah i um i think i was like 16 um i don't know if you know the author chimamanda ngozi adichie no i'm not familiar she wrote americana and she's like super famous and stuff um (laughs) yeah (laughs) Shows you how smart I am. Don't even know famous writers. Oh, no, man. it's okay. I live in I, I lived in Lit World for a really long time. Um, yeah. So I read her book when I was sixteen, and I was just like, "Holy shit! This is a book written by someone who looks like me and has like a similar-ish experience. Maybe this is what I should be doing." Okay, so you were like thinking you were going to be a writer, um, you know, in college and maybe in high school too? Yeah, I thought I was going to be like a novelist of sorts. Um, At first I was like, I'll be a journalist. And then I was like, no, I'll be a novelist. Oh, wow. And then at this time, like growing up and stuff, were were you exposed at all to film and and movies and TV and stuff? Or like when when did that kind of come into play? Like was it not till after this period or... Oh, I've always loved films, though, you know, and it's like the thing about Nigeria as well is that we have Nollywood and Nollywood is like a mega monster in itself, like millions and millions of Nigerians, like all over the world, tune in to watch Nollywood films and have since like, I'm going to say the late 80s. It's been always very popular. So Nollywood was part of growing up for me. It was just everywhere. It was our source of entertainment, you know, we watched american films but like nollywood was more prominent interesting so yeah i mean i was aware of bollywood from a pretty young age like i just you know just seeing movies on tv or whatever people tell me about it but i never i hadn't heard that nollywood was a thing until relatively recently but that was kind of like you know 
is it is it as big as Bollywood or just like kind of like this a little bit smaller version of the same kind of idea or? Um, I would say if you would ask me that question about ten years ago, I would say yeah, Bollywood's definitely mega. But I think in the past like ten years, especially with the internet and YouTube, Nollywood is becoming more and more popular. I mean, I want to say Nigeria's biggest export to the world these days. It's our entertainment. Um, oh really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Most like in music and in I mean, if you go on Netflix, you can see like a ton of Nollywood films there. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a Nollywood movie. I mean, maybe I have, and I didn't know it. You know, um, but I don't think so. I like, I highly recommend it. <laughs> like, well, n- name a couple. Are there any like Nollywood movies that have kind of broken out in America at all, or are they kind of all sort of, you know? Well, yeah, that's the really weird thing about Nollywood. I feel like it has tears. You know, there's the Nollywood film that's made by like the homeboy with a camera, and the actors are like sort of actors um <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um and then there's the nollywood film with like the medium project you know that's like yeah you recognize some faces there from other nollywood films but the production value is still like five minutes in a grocery store wow um but then there's like the tripod tier which is like the stuff that's ending up on netflix these days which is like getting funding and stuff so i think like the Wedding Party is a really famous, like, a popular Nollywood film that's gaining a lot of attention these days. And I know yeah. the other one is Fifty. Okay, I think I've heard of The Wedding Party, but I haven't seen it, and I haven't heard of Fifty. But are these both on Netflix so people can check them out if they're interested? Yeah, you could totally check it out on Netflix. I mean, it's 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 interesting. I mean, you get to like with the films, it's like you learn a bit more about nigerian culture but they're usually like and that's the thing the higher tier nollywood films are usually about the opulent lives of like the wealthy nigerians right right that makes sense Um, uh they're not like gritty stories about you know people who like live in nigeria and like more of the middle class or the lower middle class or something yeah, and you know, Nollywood often never is quite that. I think sometimes it's like, Nollywood often takes on this kind of like moralistic edge. Or the Nollywood I grew up with, it's more of like, you know, this is a story about a man and a woman, and it turns out that, I don't know, crazy shit are always happening in Nollywood films, though, including voodoo and all sorts of crazy shit. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Is there are there like dance numbers and stuff like Bollywood movies or is it not really like that? We do not do dance numbers. Oh, okay. Just so you're not really okay. Just really serious monologues. Oh, really? Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. that you share with Bollywood. I know there's lots of really serious uh, monologues in in Indian films, so that makes sense. But yeah, there's always usually lots of singing and dancing too. But yeah, you guys don't have that. Okay, that that makes sense. Okay. All right. Well, moving past. So at this time, then, when you're like watching these movies and you're, you know, there's a part of, you know, you growing up and, and what you guys watch, did you ever think that you would go into filmmaking or was that like never entered your mind at that time? Hell no. Nah. <laughs> like, I was very fascinated. Like, you know, like I acted. Um, oh, you did? I oh, okay. acted in my school plays and I was very involved in like the drama society and I danced classical bata dance and stuff. But I never thought filmmaking, it just didn't seem like 
a world that was like accessible to me. If that makes okay. any sense. Yeah, no. I mean, I I felt the same way growing up in Berkeley. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't come up from a wealthy family. Like we didn't have a video camera or anything, you know. I like heard stories of like movies being made, but to me that was like in in like Hollywood in LA, you know, like yeah. that's where that happened and I wasn't in LA so I I didn't have access to it. Like it felt very separated to me. And it didn't it wasn't till like high school that I actually, you know, got my hands on a camera and it was able to, you know, make my first movie, you know. Uh but it's um cool, Oh yeah, I mean totally awesome. Like I went to this this high school, um, Albany High, and they had video production class that you could take when you turned sixteen. And I turned sixteen a little wow. earlier than the rest of my class, so I was a sophomore and I was able to take this this video production class. So I took it three years in a row and was just like making stuff like nonstop from like sixteen till, you know, like through college basically. And then I probably dipped off and didn't stop making stuff for a while. But, you know, but yeah, yeah, I definitely caught the bug around then and like didn't let go. So for you, was it not until like, like, when did this whole filmmaking thing really start for you? Like, was it after you'd like, you know, had you like, have you written a novel? Did you like do the whole novel thing? Or like, I did. Like, I did. You did? Oh, uh, wow. I did. Oh, cool. <laughs> I always made about my African life and being an African child. I did all. I was like really at the time influenced by the things they carried um, by an author whose name I can't remember right now because it doesn't matter I won't know who they are anyways (laughs) (laughs) I I think his name is Tim something okay yeah I really liked that book it's about Vietnam and the really cool thing about that book was that it's like he was playing with fiction and non-fiction in a really interesting way and he created this really wonderful hybrid between, like, it gave him the freedom to tell his story however he felt um, for, you know, to enhance the story narratively. But at the same time, there's a lot of truth in it because he actually was, a lot of those things actually did happen to him. Oh, interesting. So, okay. All of that to say was that I wanted to create this fiction, nonfiction book. And that's what my thesis ended up being. Oh, wow. Uh, and And then... How long was it? Was it like, you know, 800 pages, 400 pages? Like, what, oh, whatever did, happened to this? I did not get that far to 800 oh, pages. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. um, I wrote about 200 pages of it. It was very lightweight. Um, it was 200 pages, and I think I got to the point where, I don't know, I think the whole process of grad school was when I really caught the film bug. And it wasn't like, you know, I'd always been kind of like an enjoyer of like film. But I never thought that I could actually, like, be a part of it. And I think grad school was the first time where I thought, oh, maybe I could do this. So you graduate college in Florida. And what colleges did you go to over there? University of South Florida. Did you immediately go to uh, grad school right after that? or I what? did, like a silly child. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> Why is like, that silly? <laughs> oh, well, because like, I was like, I haven't schooled enough. I will go to somewhere else. So it's also like I graduated from um, undergrad. I think I was about 1920. I was 20. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I graduated high school at 16, so... Oh, okay. Um, and so then when you... Where did you apply to a bunch of schools, and, and where did you end up getting into? Oh, you mean for grad school? For, yeah, for grad school, yeah. Yeah, um, I was on... I really wanted to go to Columbia, but that didn't work out, and I'm glad it didn't, actually. Um, but I ended up at CCA, California. Oh, yeah, CCA, baby. Yeah. I know a lot of people who graduated from there. Um, and what was your focus at CCA when you applied? I was going to get my MFA in writing. Okay. And so did that end up happening or did you end up switching to film throughout? Or yeah, tell us what happened. So I went into grad school young and naive. So young, I was like... In my program, you know how, like, writers are basically essentially alcoholics and, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me the stereotype a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there was wine in the writer studios. Um, and the hilarious thing is that, like, I think the program manager caught wind of the fact that I was, like, the child of the program because I was 20 and everyone else was, like, the youngest person in my program, I think, was, like, 25 or 26 or something. Oh, wow. Um, and so he had to make this stupid little sign that was like, please do not drink if you are under the age of 21. Oh, for you? Oh, that's so funny. Wow. Yeah, it was stupid. Um, but good for him for being good at his job. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah, so, wait, I forgot. Where was I going with that? Yeah, so you're, (laughs) you're at CCA, you're going for your MFA in writing. Oh, yes. Then, then what happened? I was going through my MFA. I don't, you know, I think the thing about it was that, like, I had always struggled with the idea of the novel. So I should, this all started back in undergrad. Like, in undergrad, I spent a lot of time watching movies. I really blame my film and culture class. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because I took this seminar called Film and Culture, and I realized that I could spend a lot of time just watching old films. I watched Citizen Kane. I watched like oh wow, um, <laughs> the lady from Shanghai. I watched oh, Rick, um, the apartment. Nice Casablanca. Ooh, good ones. Yeah, a lot of those, you know, really old classic films. And after the class was over, I was like, "Why stop this?" My friend and I were so into it that during exam season, and while I would go into the library and everyone would be studying and stuff. And I would just rent films. Oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> I felt like a model student. <laughs> so what were your, like, let's say if you could pick, you know, in undergrad during this time when you're, like, exploring these movies, like, what were, like, five movies that, like, really stood out to you as, like, ones that you really, really loved? I loved The Graduate. Okay. Nice. Yeah, which is, like, you know, a choice that a lot of people often make but it's i don't know i (laughs) i really connected to the character because i felt a bit like you know a floating entity at the time i wasn't entirely sure what i was doing and i don't know also the scene with benjamin and elaine is always like merely like that end scene has always been really fun for me oh yeah i mean it's classic so classic yeah Um, um Okay, well, g- give me at least one more or two more. Is it is that is that at the point where I found Link later or before or after? I don't know. 
<laughs> I think I saw Link later at that point as well. One of the uh, okay. before films, and I really liked them. Oh, uh, okay, nice. Well, that fits with The Graduate, I think. I've never seen those movies, but um, I've heard they're very good. No, you you used to jump back in time, so let's jump back forward in time. So now you're you're back doing your MFA, um, yes. you know, at CCA. Mm-hmm. Like, talk to us about like, did you like how how long did you go through that program before you decided to go in a different direction? I didn't technically go in a different direction. I was there for two years. Yeah, okay. I got my MFA. Oh, you I got was, your MFA in in writing. I did. Oh, okay, cool. So you stuck with it. All right. Just because I'm Nigerian and I don't know any other way to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hard work. You're like, I can't, I can't leave my major and go to another major. That's not possible. Yeah, it's like no. I mean, believe it, like I should also preamble all of this by like this entire time that I'm like deer in the headlights and figuring out my creative life. If you have any Nigerian listeners, they're like, what the hell is she talking about? And how did her parents allow her to do any of this? Yeah, I think I I don't know if our previous guest uh, Mel Hick is Nigerian or if he was Kenyan, can't remember. But yeah, he he talked a little bit about this I think on on his episode. Um, but but yeah, so what what I mean, were your parents okay with you being doing the writing thing, or were you getting a lot of pushback through this whole period, or? Yeah, I was. I've been getting pushback from them since I was like 16. Um, at 16, I remember telling them that I was going to be a lawyer. And my parents were like, do you know how many lawyers there are on television all the time looking for people to hire them? Criminal lawyers. You want to be another lawyer? Wow. That, that's definitely not how my parents talk. But Right. <laughs> but they but they but they didn't want you to be a lawyer. That wasn't good enough for them. No, that was not good enough. I was gonna be a doctor. And I would go to this Nigerian parties where like everyone would be in like a circle or something and I, like eating their jello fries and they would come up to me and they'd be like, Your parents have told me you want to be a lawyer. What is this about? You're in America, you should be a doctor. Oh, that's funny. So I think this entire time that I was studying writing, I'm convinced my parents thought I was still studying law. Oh, really? So you never really told them that you wanted to be a writer. You just like let them think that you're being a lawyer? Basically. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So when did you break it to them that you were like doing this writing thing? I don't know if I ever like broke it to them as much as like at some point they were like, you're not going to law school are you not that they even gave a shit honestly oh that's funny because to them it was like law school was on the same par as journalism they just thought i was doing uh, journalism things oh that's funny so they're like yeah journalism law school same same difference yeah Whatever. same diff she's not gonna be a doctor she's broken out heart it's fine uh, okay so their hearts were broken no matter what exactly i, I, I get it <laughs> so i don't know it also felt like and this was, you know, I also went to school around, like, the 2008 financial crisis. Ah, yes, indeed. But I think by the time I got to grad school, I didn't 100%, like, novel writing has always been very difficult for me. And writing about my childhood, which is what my thesis was going to be, I wanted to write about other things, but I didn't feel like I could. Ah, okay. So and then... Was your novel that you wrote for your master's thesis? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay, I got it. All right. And I just felt like, you know, part of, like, 
uh, academic. It's like it was a sellable story. And I think a lot of my professors recognized that. And they were like, this is the story you should be writing. And it was cathartic and it was therapeutic to write it. But at the same time, I just felt like there was no... I didn't enjoy the process. Oh, okay. Well, that's important. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it was really painful. It felt like pulling teeth. Like, I'd feel better after, but, like, I didn't enjoy the process. I also, I don't know, I feel like there was this kind of, like, structure in which novels are written these days in, like, this, like, the MFA book or the MFA story. Mm. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I feel like they were turning my story into, like, some sort of, you know, it's the classic, like, she came from an African country. She went to mm. America. Her life was changed. Blah, blah, blah. Something, uh, okay. something in between. Yeah. So then when you graduated, did you have any ambitions to do anything with your book? Or were you like, oh, gosh, I'm just like done with this thing now that I'm graduated and I'm on to something else? I wanted to be done with it. I mostly like the only... So I actually... My last semester, or like my final year of grad school, I basically took a screenwriting class in the MFA film program because they had just started that. Just because we were allowed to do that and because um, we were allowed to have classes that weren't in our discipline. And right. I wrote a script and not a feature, nothing big, just like a 20 minute script, like a short if you can call that a short these days, because shorts are shorter. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's still 20 pages. That's a short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my teacher, professor, person, was like, I invited some person over who was South African, and he read it, and he was like, I think you should make this. And I was like, nonsense. I don't make things. I just write things. Are you still in school at this point? Yeah, I'm still in school. Okay, okay. And I'm just like, I, I can't make this shit. And he's like, you should. I don't see why not. You totally have a story here. You should tell it. So I asked them to let them have me take like an MFA directing course. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's, that's where it all happened. Wow. So you got, you got the chance to take that class? Mm-hmm. I took an oh, MFA wow. directing course and I took a bunch of other classes in the MFA directing program. Oh wow! Okay, so then, so then you start. Did you did you actually get to make that uh, pay that script into a into a movie? I tried. I made one scene, but I never really finished because I was writing <laughs> my. I know it was really sad. I really tried, but it was difficult because wow. I was writing a book at the same time. So did you end up editing that scene together and like showing it to somebody, or did you kind of just bury it? It's buried somewhere in my archive to be revisited oh, wow. at some point. Wow. Okay. But at this, what was it a moment where you were like, oh man, this is what I really want to do? Like after you t took a couple classes and you made this thing? Basically, like I went into the MFA directing program, like, and this is, for, this is a class for people who have applied to be in an MFA directing class, you know? They have experience and stuff. Um, and we were, like, the whole thing is that semester, at the end of that semester for that specific course, we were supposed to have a short produced. So all of my colleagues were like scrapping and like, you know, they had a foundation. I had none. And I was like, I'm going to do this too. And I must have looked completely crazy to the professor because <laughs> I was also <laughs> writing a book. Wow. Funny. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm going to do this. 
but the whole thing was just it was crazy and chaotic and insane and weird and I felt so out of my depth all the time but I loved every part of it wow that's nice so then when you made that what kind of crew did you have did you have like was it other directors from that program or was it some crew that you scrapped together somewhere else or how, how did you make the short I it was a crew I had to scrap together. Um, a director from the program, who I'm still good friends with, helped me a bit. Um, and I was an AD on his film as well. But I kind of had to scrap it together. It was like friends. I called my friends and I was like, help me. <laughs> um, and then did they give you a camera to shoot with? Or did you have did, to find your own camera? They gave me oh, okay. nothing. But the thing about oh, it... Oh, they gave you nothing? They, they didn't give you a camera? Zero. No camera. Wow. Oh. No okay. plan, no producer, wow. nothing. Oh my goodness. It was kind of okay. like learn by fire or something. Wow, so um, how did you shoot it? What did you shoot it on? Like an iPhone or something? Or I got lucky. When I say they gave me nothing, that's sort of true and not all the way true. They were like, we're not helping you, but you can go to the film cage on campus and ask them to give you stuff. Oh, uh, okay. So you did, you did, and, and you didn't have to pay for it at the film cage. They just yeah, let you take stuff. I was okay. very lucky. I did not realize that, you know, those things cost money at the time. <laughs> right. So, what kind of camera did you shoot on? Do you remember what it was? I don't. I, I really don't. I think it was That's just funny. like it was a Sony or something. Okay. Maybe the Sony A7S or something. Oh, okay. Well, that's a nice camera. Yeah, I had all this, like, really cool lights. You know, I had all these Ari lights and stuff. Wow. So then that's the one that you buried and that you never showed anyone. No, you will never see it. Okay. So then let, let's just kind of speed it up just a little bit. So then you, did you make another project within that class or at, at school? Or did you... Where you did you graduate at that point, and then like kind of you're left with this this hunger to do more stuff. That's exactly it. I graduated, oh, okay. and I was like, "This sucks. <laughs> I ha- I feel hungry to do shit." And and are you like 22 at this point or something? Exactly, I'm 22. Um, I also made another project, but it was like a sound poet, like it was more of a, like a poetry installationy type situation. Uh, okay. Um, Got it. Yeah, I just felt like I needed to do more things. So then you graduated, then you obviously had to get a job. Like, were you able to use your writing degree to get a job of some kind, or...? I tried. I certainly tried. I I was. There was, you know, I started um, on the path towards, like, marketing assistantship and copywriting. Mm -hmm. I had my first marketing assistant copywriting gig, and I was like, this sucks. Also, my boss was a terrible. <laughs> yeah. Wow. My boss so, was terrible. So, did you? How long were you at that job for? Um, a week. Oh shit! Okay. So then, then what did you do? How, like, how did you? Did you just have to get like whatever job you could, or like, how did you manage to survive? I had so many jobs. I had, <laughs> I really had a lot of jobs. <laughs> like, wow. I worked retail for a while. Um, I was a Lyft driver, I was a delivery human, um, 
I did wow. all sorts. I did whatever. And then I was also another, I was a marketing assistant again at a publishing company. But then wow. by then, I had just developed health issues. So I started fainting at work all the time. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Which made me useless as an wow. employee because I might faint. Right. Wow. What, what What's the fainting about? Did you get over that? Or is that still something that you deal with or i think it's it's still something i deal with um i've never really been fully diagnosed the only hypothesis is like chronic fatigue due to asthma and endometriosis oh my goodness wow yeah <laughs> that's tough i mean and well it, it can't be that bad because you managed to make a whole web series i mean you know although maybe that was a challenge but i mean you know, I could imagine trying to shoot something that would be very difficult. <laughs> yeah, I think I've just like, I, over the years, I've learned to manage it better. But I will say between the ages of like, between 23 and like two or three years after that, the health situations really did wipe me out. I took oh, whatever no. jobs I could get um, that were flexible, but I was just too exhausted to work. Wow. So then how long did it take until you made something again? Like what, what was, what did that look like? I think this is back in 20. Yeah. So I think uh, around 2016. Like, yeah. Around 2016, <laughs> 2015. No, it was cause it's like before that, like, I think it was like, yeah, 2015. I was like, I'm going to make a web series. I don't know how the hell this entered my head. And so, and have you been, how long were you in the workforce at this time or like after you graduated, like a couple years or? Yeah, about a year, about okay, a year okay. and a half into like working. I decided okay. I was going to make a web series. Um, I don't know what inspired me to think I was going to do it. Um, I think it's because back in the early days of web series, I also, like, when I was 18, I founded an online magazine with a really good friend that had some oh. traction. And one of the things we became kind of, like, good for was writing, doing write-ups about web series. Oh, interesting. This was back in college, back in, like, 2010. Um, okay. Early so days you, of web series. So you had watched a lot of web series when they had first started to come out? I'd watched a lot of them. I remember, like, when Issa Rae first came out, like... Oh, okay. We were, like, all about her. We were, like, this is the greatest fucking thing ever. I think we actually got really close to interviewing her. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. We were, like, 19-year-olds with this stupid online magazine that people were sort of paying attention to sometimes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I think I got really acquainted and familiar with web series around that time. And... So when it came time for me to kind of create, I wanted to kind of, I knew I didn't want to go back to school. I knew I wanted to be a director and I knew I needed, um, I needed to play with like story and directing and see what I could create. And so the natural progression for me just felt like, you know, I know that world pretty well. I've written about that world for many years. I should just do that. So at this point, had you done anything since that first thing in college? Like, had you uh, acted in anything or worked on anything or made anything? I'd helped people, but I hadn't made anything. 
Okay, so you'd but you'd been on a set or two, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So you'd been around. It's been a, you were like around it. It wasn't like you're completely cut off from the the world. Yes and no, you know, like I was in a set from like friends from school and like helping out with people I knew, but I wasn't also like immersed in like the film world, you know. Right, right, right. Okay, so then let's 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 talk about this. So you're you know you're about a year and a half, two years out of school. You decide that you're gonna make a web series. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I was like, I'm going to assemble people to do this with me. That's the first step, right? Yeah, build your team, right? <laughs> build a team. That's what people do. So I was like. Who wants to do this with me? I found a friend um, who helped, like, in the storytelling. We sat and we're like, one. I, I had asked my best friend originally. I was. I just started writing the sketches and sending it out to my best friend and being like, "Yo, you like this? We should do this together." Um, and she was like, "Nah." Oh really? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, because she was also at the time. She was also in grad school, getting an MFA in writing as well. And she, her head was like in a totally different space. And she's like, "No, nah, I don't want to do this. This is your thing. You should pursue this." Um, and so I found a few people locally, but then that team fell through. I don't remember. And how, and how, how did you I... find them? You don't remember? One of my really good friends now um connected me to a guy she had dated on okcupid who was also in film (laughs) okay that's funny which is hilarious because we're i'm friends with that guy now and he's actually like a really cool person he also owns like like he has like a little like an online magazine that actually does really well called really dope his name's malik you probably have seen him around um, oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's also in film world, and yeah, he does oh, really, really cool shit. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, What's yeah. his last name? I think his name is Malik Slaudin. Oh, okay, cool. Shout out to Malik. Yeah, go Malik. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, she was like, yeah, you should talk to this guy I know through OkCupid. Okay I was like, okay. And so I talked to Malik for a bit, and I don't. I found another. I found a DP. Her name was Martha, and I don't now remember how I knew Martha. All I know is that she lived in Modesto. Okay, interesting. <laughs> and that was and my then, team. And then, so did, did you guys actually shoot anything, or like, what happened? We shot like something, but. I just didn't feel good about it. At the time, I still had a lot of friends at CCA, so I was able to rent CCA gear. Oh, nice. There you go. Um, yeah. But then I didn't like it. I just It didn't feel right. So and I tried d- and did again. you star in this, too? I did. Wow, okay. Did. So you had no fear. You're like, I'm just going to direct and star and write this thing. No problem. Yes, I'm Nigerian. <laughs> okay. We established that. I mean, that's the thing. I think, like, a lot of the beginning of the show is just, like, willful ignorance. Like, I don't know how complicated and hard this is. All I know is I want to do it, so I'm just going to do it. 
I think that's like a really common thing, you know, with filmmakers in general, just because when you're first getting started, you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. And so you just feel like you can do anything. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I try to, like, I want to recapture that feeling when like, I just, you know, went out and made this action movie with my friends for fun, you know, and maybe it didn't turn out very good, but it, we we made it and that was cool, you know, and then you spend years like planning to make something and you don't make anything and then like you know when two years ago you just went out and made something you know in a week I just know. because you said why not <laughs> you know? i know isn't it crazy like i mean now looking back and thinking about the way i treated the whole thing i you know i know differently now you know i'm a totally different filmmaker than i was in the beginning i was at the beginning i was just like i'm gonna do this and that's gonna be it and then i'm gonna hire people and then it's gonna be good and what money? You don't need budgets. What are budgets? <laughs> right. What money? Who cares about money? <laughs> you don't need money. <laughs> yeah. So, so then when you started again after this this first, like, failed or uh, aborted takeoff or whatever, um, what was that the beginning of what Uneasy is now? Or was that, like, another, like, startup and restart thing? That was another startup and restart, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because, you know... Like, also, all through this happening, I was, you know, I was getting my ground. I was also trying to work on the quote-unquote career as a copywriter. Oh, okay. Um, So I was having, like, I was developing those skills. And, like, I was, you know, I was working as a copywriter, marketing assistant, whatever. Um, So I would just basically take whatever money I earned and throw it into, like, producing and things. Wow. Yeah. So, so then before you actually got the beginning of what it, un, Uneasy is now, like how many start and stops did you have? I think I've had at least two. Okay. Okay. And then and with that, uh, with those start and stops, did you save anything, any footage from that? Like, I saved did all it, of it, but no one's ever going to see it. <laughs> no one's ever going to see it. So you didn't turn it into shorts. You didn't turn it into proof of concepts. You just, you know, kind of hit it away somewhere. Yeah, and I and I know that the way to do it would have been to do a proof of concept or something like that, but I don't know. The Nigerian in me is a perfectionist, and like, I, it's I knew, I know like, I'm a beginning filmmaker. Nothing I release is ever going to be quite perfect because I'm learning. But right. I just I had a comfort level that I had to feel before I could release my things into the world, and I'm very precious about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted. I felt like even if it has technical issues, even if it's not the greatest situation ever, I want the narrative to be strong, because you know I am like I do have that like writing background after all. Even if I was like a novice as a filmmaker, I've been a writer professionally and like whatever for a really long time. And I have a very strong sense of narrative. And I knew that if that wasn't being shown, if I couldn't at least do that, I didn't want to show anyone. Right. So basically, you, you when you do the second one, the first one and the second one, you're just like, this isn't good enough. Yeah. I'm not happy with it. Um, then then what then after the second restart, then what do you do? Like, what is the what is your process? Is it the same as you did before? Just like taking people's recommendations and finding your crew that way? Or did you do something different when you did it the next time? I think the next time I decided, you know, maybe I have to pay people. (laughs) Ah, Um, yes, indeed. (laughs) That's what changed. I was like, 
I have to find people who know what they're doing and then beg them to take my baby fees, you know? Right, right. I didn't have a lot of money and I was paying for this after rent money. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So then so then how did you find the people that you you deemed were experienced enough to like actually pay to do this? Was it through your friends at CCA or did you go on Craigslist? Like how did you do it? It was a mixture of both. I found my sound editor right now. I found her on Craigslist. Um weirdly enough, but we are just like I don't know. We have a very similar sense of narrative and we just clicked. And I feel very lucky in that sense. Um, my The first DP I ever worked with was through my friend Genova, who's also a filmmaker. Um, I hadn't spoken to him for at least a year and a half after grad school. And about two years in, I just sent him a message saying, hey, we should talk and I still want to do this and who can you recommend? And he recommended a different friend of his, um, a DP named Benjamin Michelle, who was really, really great and has really amazing work. He was, Benjamin at the time had just, for the most part, shot documentary film. Okay. And he was looking to play with narrative, and that's how we got connected. And and roughly how long ago is this? Is this like 2017 now? Yeah. Okay. I I would say 2017. That was when things got serious. Okay. And then what did you have for like your web series? Like, did you have like a whole season outline? Did you have like, you know, seven episode structure or like, what were you working with when you went out to start shooting this thing? I knew, I knew, I knew where it started and I knew where it ended. I didn't necessarily know that it was going to be in about seven to eight episodes. But I knew I there were specific stories I wanted to tell. And by the time I started building those out, they turned out to be about seven episodes. Okay. And then uh, when did you find your co-star? Uh, who Vanessa. You, you did this? Yeah. yeah. Um, so this, I think back in like 2000 and early 2016, she was starting CCA. And I was just at like one of those old CCA parties, you know, because they invite alumni. Um, right. And I remember standing there with her and just like talking, you know, about life post CCA. Turns out I had actually met her beforehand at like a CCA thing when I was in school there and I'd spoken to her because she was trying to figure out whether to go to CCA or go to Columbia. And apparently I was the one who talked her into going to CCA. Oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. Even though I have no memory of it. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> Apparently, I was having such a great time. I convinced her, don't go to Columbia. Come to see it. Oh, don't go to Columbia. Wow. That was <laughs> yeah. a school that you wanted to go to, right? Yeah. But oh, honestly, I, I, I say this not because I didn't get into Columbia, but I say this now knowing, like, if I had gone to Columbia, I would have not had a, as good of an experience. Because the good thing about CCA was that they allowed their students to be experimental um, and take all these other disciplines and classes. Well, Columbia, I would have been locked into fiction writing, and that would right. have sucked for me eventually. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have like found the bug of filmmaking necessarily, or at least not then. Yeah, know. definitely not then. I think I've just just been miserable. Um, yeah, interesting. But yeah, I met her at a party. I told her I'd originally written these sketches for two black girls. Okay. Um, I was like. Yeah, because I wanted, I, 
I have a best friend, and I wanted to mirror a lot of our experiences, cause I'm African and she's black, and we had had a lot of really interesting conversations about being African and black, and you know we had gotten to know each other really well, and I felt like we had crossed over a lot of just like ignorance in which we both had about the other, cause there is a、oh. lot of ignorance between both communities.、Mm. Um, and it had been like I don't know at that point a four five year friendship, and that was what the story originally was. These, this African girl and this black girl、uh, living in a one bedroom trying to figure life out.、Um, oh, interesting. And my best friend had been like, "I'm not interested." She's like, "I don't <laughs> want to be in this show with you. You crazy?" <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Dude, I'm living in Chicago. I'm depressed right now. I'm trying to write a book. Don't talk to me." Wow. Okay.、Um, I was like, "Fair." So I found Vanessa at a party, and I remember I had had a lot of conversations with a lot of the people I went to grad school at the time about what it's like to be, you know, to be Latinx,、um, but to not speak Spanish. You know, language and because I had taken a lot of nonfiction classes and language and history of language and poetics, and that was the focal point of a lot of the conversations we had had. And so, for some reason, that night, I ended up talking to Vanessa about like not speaking Spanish and growing up Mexican and Guatemalan and growing up Nigerian, and we just kind of clicked. And at the end of the night, I was like, "Do you want to do this thing with me?" Wow! And she was at the end. At the end of the night, when you first met her. Yeah, kind of. Apparently,、oh, I met her、goodness. before, but I don't、wow. remember. <laughs> yeah. So it was really fast. It was like I'm, I'm, I'm like we're talking, we're getting to know each other. Like, be in the show with me. Yeah, basically, I was like,、Holy、listen,、moly. do you want to do this with me? Like a creep. I was、wow. like, Vanessa, you don't know me, but I'm going to write a show for us, and I want you to be in it, and I also want you to write because you're a writer. I'd never read her work at that point. Oh wow! <laughs> I had no idea. I was like, you were just being super, super open, open to the universe, and super open to her, and just being like, "Let's do this." Yeah, because you know sometimes you have a great chat with someone, and you're just like, "I feel like we've just connected." You know, we should do this, and I didn't、yeah. know what she was gonna say, and she was like, "You know what? I've been waiting for someone to ask me this for a really long time." Oh wow! Wonderful. <laughs> and the minute Vanessa got in, the ball got rolling. We started like doing shit. Wow, that's awesome! So this is like in 2016 when you meet her and you connect and you start getting the the ball rolling. Yeah. And and was she with you for both of your start and stops or just one of them? Uh, she was with me for both. Oh wow! So basically, that was like the, the the spark of the whole series was you guys connecting, and then from there it happened. Yeah, we. She was there when we were both trying to figure it out. We had wrote, first written.、Um, A sketch that didn't work out. We wrote another sketch that didn't work out.、Um, we were finding it like you know we had never really written together before. Vanessa is also a playwright, and she'd never really written a script before, but she writes really excellent plays. And we were just trying to figure it out, and it was this back and forth, and we were just getting to know each other as humans as well, you know. Wow, that's awesome! What a great story. So then. Okay, so we went forward and back, but let's go forward again.、So、okay, sorry. You, no, no, no. This is great. So then you found your. You basically decided that you're going to pay people. That you guys are going to do it right. You're going to get this thing done.、Um, how and are you guys just? Did you just pull your cash together to to be able to pay people and 
get the little, you know, seed money to make this thing? Or how did you guys fund it? So, you know, it's funny when you say all of that, it sounds like things I would do now as a filmmaker. Of course, (laughs) I would create a budget. I would figure out what goes to whom. I would hire a producer. I would do all this cool shit that I know to do now. But at the time, it was more like, so if I pay for lunch and you get that, and then we rent gear from a friend of ours who still goes to CCA, it equals blah. Wow. Amazing. Well, that's a great spirit, though, right? It's just being like, like, how much can my money actually get? Like, what do I actually have to pay for, you know, and just do it? Yeah, that's great. I remember the first time we actually, like, spent any real money. I was just, I, you know, I, I think it officially, around, like, late 2016, I had a job as a copywriter. And it was like the first like money gig I'd ever had. And when I say money, I mean I, I went from making like twenty dollars to like not twenty dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. And I'm twenty dollars an hour. Um so I was right. making like more than twenty dollars an hour and I felt like, you know, I can pay rent and eat and I have just a little more to like commit to this project. So I started like paying my dp and he agreed to such a sad 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 rate ben's uh, we should also keep in mind ben creates like stuff for kqed he oh, has okay. experience and shit like, wow okay there you <laughs> yeah. go. ben was basically doing this as a partial favor um yeah and i don't know how we did it and vanessa i remember at that time bought some sound gear for us and she was just like i'm gonna charge it to my credit card i'm like don't do it <laughs> wow. So then, so this is like late 2016 or so. Like, how much? Um, how much did you shoot? Like, like how did you shoot the show? Like, did you shoot it like one episode at a time, or did you guys just shoot and figure out what was going to be an episode? Like, how did? What was your structure like for making this thing? It was one episode at a time. The one thing I had always done is like, you know, the one thing I had always done even if i didn't know how to do anything else is make sure the writing was airtight oh that's good so that makes sense with your background right yeah it's like this is the one thing i can control so i will control it (laughs) Um, nice so i would write these like really they they turn out to be kind of long but i I think i would write this like 15 page episodes where it's like this is our episode this is our structure this is our narrative arc let's do this Nice. So then let, let's say how many episodes did you guys end up shooting in 2017? Did you do like three or four or like how, how did that work? Between 2016 and 2017, I think we shot like three episodes. Okay. And you're shooting these on the weekends or just like here and there, like wherever you can get people to come together? Basically on the weekend when we can get people to show up. Um, I think Vanessa just graduated at this point or was about to graduate. Um, We were just doing it however how we could. And then were you editing the episodes as you went or were you just like kind of accumulating footage? Like how how was your post process done? At first I was accumulating footage and that was the other thing. I'm not um, I'm not much of an editor, you know. Uh, I see. Yeah, I 
I have a, a sense of storytelling, and I but I think the logistics of just like cut shrimp, fucking doing it in Premiere drives me crazy, and it's just not how my brain works. <laughs> right. Yeah, some people just don't get down with it. Yeah, it just depends. Yeah, I that really stumped me for a really long time, and I just I hate it so much. So then when did you actually were able to like edit your first episode together? Was it in 2016, 2017? Like when did actually the post happen? I think about 2017, early 2017. I got help from um, someone else on Craigslist named Alex. And Alex and I just basically went at it. Nice. And we carved And were you together. paying Alex or like how did that work? I was paying Alex. Um, Alex was definitely paid, but like definitely not industry wages oh of course <laughs> right so then how many episodes did you uh, edit with alex your first editor about about two actually alex edited two of the episodes okay episode awesome. one and two though since nice. then they've gone through even more radical edits Oh, really? So you get you kept on going back and changing things as you shot more of the series? Yeah, because, you know, one of the things I had always known was that I wanted to release it all at once. And right because we shot the first one in 2016 and we shot the last one in tw- at the end of 2018, they look so different. Like, my skills have developed and changed right, and my right. sense of, like, how I wanted to do things have changed. My crew changed. And I think that's did one they, of the did the gear change the at all? The gear definitely changed. Okay. At the Do you remember what you started with? Yeah, sorry, I keep on interrupting you. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, at the beginning, we were using a GH4. Oh, okay. But by the end, you know, we, it's not like the camera really changed. We were using a GH5 rather than a GH4, um, which is not that big of a difference. But I would say the thing that made the most amount of difference was that by the end, we had, like, lighting and a gaffer and grip. Nice. Whereas in the beginning, it was just like, does this bounce make my face not look dark? Okay, let's grow with it. Right, right, right. And then did your cinematographer change or was it the same cinematographer from the first couple episodes who ended up doing the later episodes too? My cinematographer definitely changed. Um, the first two... I've been shot by Ben. And then the third one was shot by my friend, Era. And then by the fourth one, I was like, I need a cinematographer who's constant and has stuff together. And so I found someone you know, actually, Jason. Oh, wow. So how did you find Jason? I found Jason through Vanessa. And Vanessa knows Jason through Z-Space, I think. And what's Z-Space? Yeah, Vanessa works at a theater. Oh, okay. Um, and I think they is Jason had produced a short, um, or done a short with um, someone Vanessa works with named Rose. And that's okay. how we got connected. And so, just really briefly, and I don't you don't have to go into details. Like, why did your first two cinematographers not work out? With Ben was because he was too busy and you couldn't pay him enough. And then, what about the second one? Was it just they didn't have time to work on it. That kind of thing. Essentially, yeah. You know, I feel like asking someone to commit to a project you are doing sporadically over the course of, like, three years is a lot. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Um, 
that's and I had no kind of pretense about that. Like I'm not gonna ask someone who I'm barely paying to stick to this. Um, so my first cinematographer Ben didn't work out after a while because I don't even know if it's like a thing where it like didn't work out as much as like I stopped having money. Ben took other projects. <laughs> right, right, right. And then when you had more money, it was like. You had to find someone else. Exactly. And then yeah. Era was available. And then I stopped having money and Era did all the things. <laughs> and then by the time I got around to like the fourth one till the rest, I had gotten to the point in where I wasn't a junior copywriter anymore. I was a mid-level copywriter. Oh, there you go. So I could save a little more. <laughs> okay. So you were able to pay a little bit more and, and get the rest of the, the thing shot a little bit faster. Exactly. And okay. a thing actually happened to me last year, um, mid, like, I would say like March or April last year, I got laid off at work. Oh no. <laughs> and I was pretty sad, but I wasn't at the same time because I was just like, I've been working on the show for three years. I, it's where my heart is. I don't, copy is fine, but it's not the dream, you know? And I was like, I'm being laid off. I'm going to take all of my savings. I'm not going to take another copy job. I'm going to throw all my savings on the show. Ask Holy my husband shit. to pay our rent. And I'm just oh, going to do wow. it. Oh, so you're married. Okay, so you yeah. were living with someone. Okay, yeah. there you go. Wow. So, all right. Well, that that's helpful. I mean, you know, I, I'm married too. And my wife has a job. So that's, you know, when I worked more on my movie or more on my movies, I definitely lean on her a little bit for stuff. For oh, sure. totally. Like, I mean, the spouses, man, they really save, like, your life sometimes. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, people don't talk enough about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, you'll, you'll see my wife's name in all the credits for all my movies, uh, either in the special thanks or story co written by, you know, those kinds of things. <laughs> no, seriously. I My husband's my first editor. He reads everything I write. He has yeah. to sit through the edits that I make. And he's yeah. like, it looks exactly the same as all the other ones that you've shown me. <laughs> yeah. My wife says the same thing. She's like, what is different here? I was like, but can't you see? Like, this whole thing is different. And she's like, I don't, I gotta go make dinner. I, I don't have time for this. <laughs> exactly. He's just like, God, I just want to read my book. Why do I have to do this? Because, and you know, that's another thing. Like, not only sometimes when I would run out of money, my husband would be like, I know you want to do this and I believe in you. So a year's like, you know, you can spend our tax refund on a new camera. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I, I had that same support. I mean, I, I think I'm kind of done with that at this point because I spent so much money on my own movies that I can't really do it so much anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, there's a there's a limit to everything. Uh, but yeah, I totally had that same thing. And like I definitely could have done anything I have done without my wife's support. So that's awesome that you had the same thing uh, going or still do. <laughs> yeah, I definitely still do. And I'm really appreciative of it. Okay, so we've been going for about an hour now, um, but I still have some more questions. So we're near the end of 2017. You you're, you're, you shoot, or no, that was the end of, beginning of last year or around March when you said you got laid off. So you decided to just jump fully into the thing. Mm -hmm. Like when, when you got laid off, like how many episodes were shot and how many le did you have left to shoot? I, when I got laid off, I just started working with Jason. 
Oh, um, wow. So that just began. So you hadn't even shot like five, six, or seven yet? No, we point. hadn't shot five, six, or seven. I, we, Jason and I had just shot four. That was our first time working together. Oh, uh, okay. Wow. And when I got laid off, I was like, well, you know, I'm going to do this and we're just going to do it. And Jason happened to be available. Jason had a lot of really great gear. Ashley, whom I found on Craigslist, turns out was like a really good sound person. I had my core nice. team. I'm like, all I need is a DP and a great sound person. And I can find a PA whenever I need to. And let's just run out wow. and do this thing. Awesome. So how many days did you shoot to get uh, those last few? Because how many episodes is it? It's eight episodes or seven episodes? It's seven. But seven has seven. an A and a B. So let's just call it eight now. Eight. Okay. <laughs> so eight episodes. Uh, how many days of shooting did it take to get like episodes five through eight shot? Man, it was gruesome. I mean, I don't know if Jason told you. <laughs> it was gruesome. Yeah, man. Like, we were going at it between, like, I would say I planned it out because I have no experience at this point. Um, so I think between, like, it, between May, basically all summer long, between May and September or September, May and October, we were just going every wow. weekend. Every wow. weekday, we could squeeze something in between other shoots that we were doing for other people. Between yeah, yeah. yeah, we just kept going. Wow, awesome! So you just you just got it done, and you got it in the can, you made it happen, and then you did your Kickstarter. When mm -hmm. was that? Was that like during this process, or like after you had it all shot? Like when did you do the crowdfunding? Yeah, we were really close to like the end when we did the crowdfunding. Because I basically realized, because, you know, at the time I was thinking, get it done, get it done, get it done. Spend all your savings, get it done. And right. then I spent all my savings and realized, shit, all of this needs to be edited. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> like, we need to shoot the last episode. All of this needs to be edited. And I just run out of money. Wow. Crazy. And so then you're like, what are we going to do? And then you're like, crowdfunding. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I have no money anymore. I can't pay for anything. Every I have so many people who have worked so hard on this, who believe in this project. What are we going to do? I was like, crowdfunding. Seed and Spark. We're just going to do it. I'd never crowdfunded yeah. before. Wow. Well, you did a very good job. You got your goal. That was amazing. I was very excited to see that happen. Um, yeah. And uh, can, tell us really briefly, like, what did you do to, to make your, your Seed and Spark successful? Um, I had help. I had to go get help. I think earlier in the process, I realized that I wasn't making a short or like a feature like everyone else. I was making a web series. And this is the sort of stuff where you need to build an audience for. As much as I've hated or sometimes not hated, as much as I haven't loved being a copywriter this entire time, there are solid skills it has taught me like what I'm supposed to do in terms of like how to build messaging and branding and audience and all that stuff. So I do have those core skills. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I've worked in a lot of kind of like ad agency, corporate settings of writing like video scripts for like beauty products and that kind of stuff. And I know how messaging gets filtered from like, the copy team to the marketing team to the social team and I knew all of that would come in handy so I basically was like I need some sort of person I need someone to help me with like media or like copy um sorry not copy 
media and social and that kind of stuff. Ah, uh, okay. So I found like a really wonderful person named Shoshana, and she has um, a small little PR firm in Oakland. Media relations nice. specialist firm called Noticed PR, and her goal is to just help people like me, artists, and like um, people with who have like a strong social consciousness attached to their work, um, be seen and be successful. Nice, awesome. Well, I have more questions about everything, but we do need to kind of wrap it up. So. Uh, couple questions so now that you've done the web series and it's all shot and it's mostly edited what's your plan with it now are you, do you have a release plan set like what are you doing with it yes i am releasing at the new parkway on february 17th it's a sunday it starts wow. at 12 30 it's going oh, wow. to be all kinds of exciting congratulations that's awesome thank you i'm and, looking and- forward to it is this what? So what is this? Is this a screen, screening for the cast and crew? Is this like a public screening for everybody? Like is what a, is this screening? It's a public screening for everyone. I, you know, the thing we haven't really talked about is the show itself, which is like you know why I created it and one of the reasons I loved it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just like I wanted to make a show about you know I'd have so many difficulties living here and I knew I wasn't the only one I was hearing for I'd gone to art school and then I know a lot of my artist friends who were having so many difficulties and you know I knew people who were like borderline like homeless for a minute um we all had like the illusion of like having our shit together because we had all this macbook from our student loans and laptops but you know a lot of us didn't have right. money to actually eat right um, which is important or pay rent <laughs> you know because homelessness is you know and being housing insecure is a thing um and we were the right. lucky ones we're the lucky privileged ones because the people who are literally on the streets in oakland who have been displaced who don't have homes you know who don't have a support system um and I wanted to make a show that like centered around the difficulties of living here, but also like the the reason we all stay and the beauty of living here and the community here. And I felt like this isn't a thing that I wanted to treat as like a traditional film or like um, like a traditional short or a feature. If I made a show about a community, then I wanted to show it to the community. And that's why I decided to do the new Parkway, because I wanted to show it to the community I created it about and for. Awesome. So then, uh, how are you getting word out on the screening? Are you like doing advertising or like trying to sell tickets or is it a free event? Like, like how are you getting the word out on this thing? It's a pay what makes you smile. Um, ah. I know. It's cute. We did not come up with it. No. <laughs> we did not. I think a, a theater somewhere in the U.S. did. But we thank them. Um, Pay what makes you see smile because you know I want it to be accessible to everyone. Nice. And then, are you also going to do an online release with the screening, or is this just public in the theater only sort of thing? Oh, uh, we're going to release it online on YouTube on March first, but we're screening it to the community first on um, February seventeenth. Okay. And then are you doing it independently on YouTube or are you working with a company to release it? Like, how are you doing that? I, I'm releasing it independently. 
yeah, everyone, check out the trailer if you love it. Uh, support the movie, release it, or the the movie, the the series. You know, um, yeah, it's it's funny because I think we talked about this a little bit. Like, what do you do with a web series? Like, do you just release it and share it with people, or do you try to sell it and get it on a network? Like, it's such a a really tough thing to figure out, and. I think still the best and, and most tried and true way is just to release it and build a following, you know, yeah. however hard that is. I mean, that's very difficult, but I think like, you know, that's the way that all the web series that became things that we've heard of now, like high maintenance and, you know, um, insecure and, 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 you know, is there another one? There's probably other ones. Yeah, there are a um, lot. Um, but but I think they all went that way, right? They all built a fan base and then got picked up later. Yeah, and I think, like, I feel like one of the things that I'm realizing again in this conversation with you is that everything for me with the show has always happened organically, you know? Right. And it's like, I felt like a story needed to be told, so I went ahead and wrote it. And then I cast someone because, like, she and I clicked. And yeah, yeah. with the progression of it and the release of it, it's like, I made this for the community and I made this for people who look like me and have like a similar background as I do and are first generation and have language difficulties with their parents and, you know, are clueless and don't have resources. I'm like, okay, so I just need to show those people. Because for me, at the end of the awesome. day, it's like building a career is wonderful, but I film feels more feels entirely like a platform i use to connect with other people yeah nice that's awesome well that's so exciting that you're releasing it and that you're getting it out in the world that you were able to make it and complete this whole thing um i haven't seen anything but the trailer because you haven't sent me anything uh i would love to see it i I've, i think i've even asked jason to see some stuff and he hasn't sent me anything so yeah uh, that's because we've been I'm, working <laughs> I know, I know. But I mean, it's also just going to make me come to the event on the 12th. So I'm going to do my best to be there and see it. And I encourage everyone who is listening to this now to uh, be there as well. We'll definitely try to release this. We'll not try. We will release this (laughs) before the event so people can, you know, hear about it come to it, see it. I know we have a few local fans of the Bay Area who live in the area who can be there. So I hope to yes, see you guys there. Some. And it's not the 12th, it's the 17th, February 17th. 17th. Sorry, I don't know why I said 12th. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's the 17th, it's at the New Parkway. Um, Even better. <laughs> yeah, it's chill. It's just, you know, it's really comfy. Sit on one of those parkway chairs and just relax. Yeah, my first short film, I uh, did a cast in cast and crew screening at uh, the new parkway theater so i know how great that theater is it's wonderful it's such a great experience and yeah no place better to, to watch a whole series than than that theater so yeah. can't wait cool um one last question before we end this sure um like what are your plans now now that the series is done you're releasing it you're getting out into the world what are you setting your sights on for your next project? Are you even thinking about it? Or are you just like happy to be done? Like what, where's your head at? Oh yeah. Um, I feel like once, now that I've done this, that I want to do so many other things. <laughs> um, oh, I wanna, awesome. <laughs> you know, I want to do a second season of uneasy for sure that I'm excited about. Cause I feel like there's so many other stories and like, you know, caricatures about, living in the bay and just so many other stories that come out of here and one of the things i try to do is like 
create archetypes of people who are in the bay without from a non-judgmental perspective oh that's nice um <laughs> because i feel like it can kind of be finger waggy i don't want to do that that's not what i do with my work i want to right, create a conversation right. we can all be part of right 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 um that's awesome yeah so after that i want to do a second season hopefully with funding from people actual funding right. no more spending my own money exactly that's the dream right Oh, I, I gotta make it happen. Otherwise, I can't, like, you know, I'm Nigerian. I, I keep going back to that. I can't fail. <laughs> We're not allowed yeah. to. It's, right. Our family will well, disown you, us and stuff. You, well, you only fail when you stop. So as long as you keep on making things, then you're never a failure. So just keep doing it. <laughs> sure. My family uh, won't disown me. But <laughs> <no>. <laughs> they'll just, like, be disappointed. Um, yeah, but I also want to make a feature. So. Okay. Like, do you know what it would be about? I have two features in my head. One, I feel oh. like, is my magnum opus, and I'm really excited about it. Nice. Um, the other one is a little cuter and, like, set in Florida. Wow. Well, do you feel like you're you're going to try to just go right into a feature or the second season of Uneasy, whatever happens first? Or are you excited to do, like, short, like a, something shorter and more contained? first or yeah i don't know i definitely want to fund a second season of uneasy that i is on my mind but at the same time i will not say no (laughs) i say that like this someone is just throwing money at me to make this feature like it's not like basically (laughs) fucking impossible (laughs) it's not impossible it's just very hard i'm in the middle of it right now i'm raising money um, I've raised money, so you can raise money. I've done that, but it's just not, not a, not quite enough yet. <laughs> but I feel like I'm getting closer every day, every day. So you know, it does happen. It can be a reality. <laughs> can we do a whole like podcast where we talk about you and your money raising process? Sure, absolutely. You can ask me every question you want to know, and I'll answer every question I can. Okay. Um, but on another episode. Cool. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And I know I said that was my last question, but I have one more question. Sure. So now that you've gone through this whole process, you've written, you've produced, you've directed, you've acted in a web series, you've got all this enthusiasm, all this energy. If you could do one career that you had further down the line, what would that career be? Further down the line? Or whenever. If you could, let's say you could do anything. Like if you could, would, would you be doing all the things like you're doing now? Or is there one thing that you like the most out of all the things? Directing for sure and writing. I'm sorry, those two come hand in hand for me. I can't okay. choose between the other. Oh, you can't. You can't. You could never direct something that you didn't write. Oh, I can definitely direct something I didn't write. Okay. <laughs> for sure. So people send Samia your scripts, so she will read them. She no, does want to. I actually want to do that. I will read and direct people's stuff. Oh yeah, do it. <laughs> I just really enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, great. Well, that's awesome. So, so, so you can separate yourself from the writing and the directing. You wouldn't have to write and direct only, because some people that's how they feel. Like they can only write and direct, and they couldn't bear doing anything else. Yeah, you know, like writing. That's like you know, it's my way of like seeing the world. I'm always gonna do it. I've always done it. Right, right. You know, I wrote like my first like play when I was like ten. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm, nice. I'm always gonna like no it was bad it was terrible but you know like it's my way of right. processing the world is what I'm trying to say so that's yeah, always I, gonna be a part of me yeah 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 I know I know the feeling I wrote my first comic book when I was ten or eleven cool. so yeah it's not very good 
but uh, I did it. <laughs> yeah, but those things are so important, though. I you know, kudos to like the people who were like, yeah, Ulrich could totally do that. <laughs> right. Or the people who were like, give it up, boy. Do something else. <laughs> yeah. That too. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so writing, directing, that's what you want to do. Um, but you're, you're going to, I feel like you're not going to not act though, right? Like you're, seems like acting is a big part of what you do as well. Or, or is that something that you're looking to not do as much on the next thing? Oh, that's the, that's the part where it's like a little difficult for me. I feel like if I had to pick all, I'll be a writer director. But if I got the chance to act in other people's things, I mean, I think I want to act less in my things, though, just because I want to give it the full creative focus uh, of being okay. a director. But okay. if other people want to cast main things, I'll do it. Nice. Awesome. All right. So, yeah, I have more questions, more things, but I think we have to end this. Where can people find your stuff? Like, where can they see? Is like Uneasy have a website? Do you have your own website? Like, where do you want people to go? Okay. So, do not go to my website right now. Go in <laughs> April when it will be prettier. Okay. However, Copy. totes follow me <laughs> on the internet. Um, <laughs> my personal situation is Samia of the Interweb, and I'm on Instagram. I spent too much time there feeling bad about my butt. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the show's Instagram is at Uneasy the Show. We're on Twitter, at Uneasy the Show. We're on Facebook, at Uneasy the Show. That's U-N-E-A-S-Y, the show. Um, nice. On all the platforms. Um, our website is going to be awesome in, like, February. But okay. don't go there right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this will probably come out, I think, probably February early february like probably the first week or second week of february so it's got some time before your premiere um so maybe the website will be good by now oh awesome oh and i forgot i don't use it the show also on youtube because that's super important subscribe and watch <laughs> all the things there will be teasers and promote like promotional videos and stuff is there a trailer right now that people can watch on the youtube yes awesome well, watch the trailer, watch all the other videos that are on there now, uh, support the show. The trailer I saw was awesome. I was, you know, you, you, you gave me the, the, the trust to give you some notes on the trailer early on. So I've seen a couple versions of it. Very helpful. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to help. But yeah, I really can't wait to see this show. And I, I mean, I think I'm going to experience it with everybody else on uh, February 17th. So I'm, I'm excited. Yippee! Um, yeah. And I mean, also, I just want to say on a little side note, I'm just really excited to see you make this show happen with like such like not, not having a background in filmmaking and just being able to have this idea, be inspired to do it and then just like figure out how to get it done one way or another. I think it's just really inspiring to me. And I'm just really excited to see this thing. And, you know, I, I'm like, I'm not from Oakland, but I'm from Berkeley. I've lived in Oakland for like almost 10 years and I, you know, pride myself on being an Oakland filmmaker. So I'm just really glad that we have another Oakland filmmaker making really cool stuff in Oakland. And yeah, and there's a lot of us, but uh, it's just awesome to have more and more stories being told about Oakland. I don't really make movies about Oakland. I just make movies set in Oakland, but, uh, but yeah, it's just really awesome. So I'm really 
excited to have you on the show and be a part of this thing and we gotta do more episodes i agree <laughs> thank you Alric. i feel like i'm being welcomed into a tribe yeah you're part of the making movies is hard family now oh, you're in yay. <laughs> all right and now as uh being part of the family you have to do the outro oh i feel very fancy okay yeah Thanks for listening. Check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. Or find us on Twitter and Facebook at mmipodcast. At mmipodcast. And please... No, at mmihpodcast. Ah. <laughs> at mmihpodcast. And on Instagram, too, also at MMIH Podcast. Sorry. That's not on the list there. I should add that. Anyways. No, sorry. Cool. Go ahead. You're doing great. <laughs> and please, if you like the show, tell a friend. Help us get the word out. Leave a review on iTunes. A switcher? Switcher. Stitcher. Stitcher. Thank you, Liz, for a great show. They shouldn't read that part. That was from our last episode. It's supposed to say thank you, Samia, for a great show. Thank you, and Samia, thank you for all. a great show. I'm going to thank myself. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, all. See, I'm supposed to thank you. You're supposed to thank me. But that's fine. Um, well, thank you, yeah. Ulrich, for a great show and for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh no! Thanks for doing it, and apologies to everyone for the noise in the background. Um, you know, Samia was going to a secluded area, and then they just decided to have a party uh, right next to her secluded area. So, the Bay area. yeah, it just happens. Co-working spaces. What can you do? Um, but yeah, it shouldn't be so bad. But thanks again, and yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>